You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com. The largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton, Dylan Terriman, and Alex Varallo. Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in to uh, recap the team's season opening loss. <clears throat> Unfortunately, the Jets drop to 0-1 with a 19-14 loss to the Carolina Panthers on the road. But um, as we've said before, folks, and really, and I- I've said myself, but you get tired of uh, of the same mantra for three, four, five years, but the situation is, is undeniable. Right. I mean, the place the Jets are in right now is evaluate young guys. That's what this season is going to be about. Fourth youngest roster in the NFL. Rookie quarterback, 11 total rookies on the roster. You got rookie starters on offense, rookie starters on defense. Um, And sometimes it's going to show. But it's going to be all about evaluating these guys. And first and foremost, that uh, that starts up front. It starts now. Well, I mean, it starts with Zach Wilson and the offensive line up front and the job they do for him. And uh, the job they did for him Sunday was not a good one. In fact, I just saw a number. I tweeted out the Jets were just uh, worse than the NFL. They allowed pressure on 41% of Zach Wilson's dropbacks. The next closest was the Ravens at 35%. So uh, by a fair margin, the Jets were the worst O-line in the NFL in terms of keeping the quarterback safe, upright. Uh, but the good, the, the, the silver lining there, is that considering the pressure he was constantly under, Zach Wilson didn't have a bad day at all. He threw the one pick, talked about it on the, the brief post-game recap, um, you know, threw a ball over the middle, ill-advised. I, I said following the show that, or following the game that, he, you know, it was, it was going to be tough for him to step into that and get, get a little bit more on that throw with, uh, with his center and guard being pushed back into the pocket. But – you know, looking back at it, and they did mention it on the broadcast. Uh, honestly, if that ball wasn't picked by uh, by the linebacker, J.C. Horn was right behind him. I mean, it was, there were two guys that had a shot to pick that ball. And, and he, you know, Wilson, he had a little more room than I thought to make that stride. Um, it wasn't ideal circumstances, but he, but he could have done a little better. So, all right. So that wasn't a great throw, not a great decision. But other than that, here's a kid who came out. As I said, started the game two for 10 and then completed 66% of his passes with two touchdowns the rest of the way. Again, under constant arrest, took a ton of hits, sacked six times. But we saw a lot of the traits that he showed at BYU. And he did a lot of the things that we saw him do in college that people say, <clears throat> Sorry, that, that some people said you know wouldn't translate. He won't be able to do that in the NFL. He won't be able to he you know won't be able to run around like that. Guys are faster. They're going to catch him. They're going to get to him. He's not going to be able to make any tight throws because he's you know everything in the everything in the in the NFL is an interception. Well, again, it's it's one game, but I mean, talk about encouraging. As I said on the wrap up, this is this is his first pro game coming out of BYU. You know, he's not coming out of Alabama. He's not coming out of Clemson. He's coming out of a, a program 
to play some, you know, a few tough opponents a year, and then and then a week schedule beyond that. But again, I don't see how you could have asked for any more from Zach Wilson. We saw the mobility, we saw the poise. That now the decision making. Listen, there were a couple balls he could have thrown away, or a couple of balls that. And and I said this, you know. I spoke with Dylan and Alex a little bit after the game, and again, solo today, uh, Dylan, as I said, moving uh, in the middle of his move, and Alex had some uh, had something he had to take care of, so I'm flying solo today. Hopefully, as I said a week or two ago, the plan is in the next couple of weeks to have them back on, but as far as this team goes, as far as they looked on Sunday, they did some really good things, but listen... Watching the game, it was frustrating that we weren't seeing any pressure on Sam Darnold. You realize, of course, you know, the Panthers were utilizing a short passing game. Not till after the game, when you look at the charted charted passes, that you realize just how often. Sam Darnold threw 22 passes that did not travel 10 yards. His average time from snap to release was 2.68 seconds. And he was able to consistently find Christian McCaffrey when pressure was there. So it's not that this D-line underperformed. In fact, someone posted next-gen stats, whoever. The Jets' D-line had the best win rate, pass rush win rate in the NFL. Nobody won more battles up front one-on-one than the Jets. Problem was, Carolina was ready for it. And they just we saw a lot of a lot of screens, a lot of dump offs, a lot of checkdowns, and Sam Darnold give him credit. That's what he did. And this basically you know, the thing you have to wonder, we didn't see a lot of deep shots. Of course there was the deep ball to Robbie, which came against, you know, your you've got your second, third safety out there who hasn't really played a whole bunch and he gets caught flat footed and Robbie Anderson blows right past him. But the corners Having had a chance, I, I was watching the All-22 yesterday and today, which, by the way, is a downright disaster this season. I really hope the folks at NFL Game Pass plan on fixing this. But it is a far inferior product this year to years past. It was glitching. It was hiccuping. It was pausing. There were no, they didn't show you down and distance before each play like it used to do. You can't search for plays and players on a sidebar. There's no individual plays listed. They just said, here's the game. You figure out what point in the game it is, and, uh, and we're going to have lots of pauses just randomly throughout the telecast. So it's been really frustrating to try and watch this. I think I'm sort of uh, – I've got about 10 minutes left to watch, and I'm going to do that tonight. But from what I've, what I've seen so far, um, the DBs look fantastic. The young corners that we were so worried about, they looked really good. I said in a, a post-game write-up that I thought the uh, the corners impressed. They looked even better on the All-22. We saw, you know, we saw Michael Carter with the pass breakup. Eccles had, you know, showed some really sticky coverage. Bryce Hall had a couple of uh, a couple of one-on-one reps running down the field with Robbie Anderson, where he stayed in his hip pocket, which was a little bit of a surprise. I mean, Hall doesn't have that that high-end elite speed that Robbie has, and he kept him in check. Now, was this? Was this the Jets legitimately locking these guys down, or was this the Panthers saying, we feel like Christian McCaffrey can beat anybody underneath one-on-one, 
So we're going to run some clear outs and just have guys take defenders down the field with them and then let Christian work underneath. That it, If that's the game plan and the Panthers weren't planning on, on hitting anything down the field, well, they executed brilliantly. They did a, they did a really nice job. A lot of people very excited about Sam Donald's performance. And by that, you know, Panthers fans and Jets fans who are still rooting for the guy. And he didn't do anything bad. It wasn't a bad day for him. But I don't think he'll have an easier day. Um, and, you know, Bill Cower said it during the halftime show that, you know, Christian McCaffrey's going to make any quarterback look better. And he certainly did. There was one play McCaffrey just absolutely smoked C.J. Mosley and then shook Marcus May out of his shoes, out of his cleats and left Marcus May sliding and falling on his back after he smoked Mosley. Um, so this, you know, it makes you wonder, because really, if you look at the two things we're saying here, or that I'm saying, the D-line did a nice job up front. We'll highlight some individual performances in a second. The D-line did a nice job up front. The DBs, the young corners, did a solid job on the back end. And the Jets got eaten up all day by McCaffrey. So what's that tell you? The linebackers had a hard time. And C.J. Mosley, in his much-anticipated return, um, I believe right, he earned one of the worst grades on the team. Uh, this is this is per PFF. But even leaving PFF out of the equation, like I said, watching the film, McCaffrey had a didn't have a great deal of difficulty getting open on the plays where he was one-on-one with Mosley. And I understand not everybody is Christian McCaffrey, but moving forward, is this what teams are going to look at? Is this what we're going to get against the Patriots this week? Are we going to see Bill Belichick have Mac Jones come out there and throw 20, 25 passes that are just quick hitters against the linebackers and and let the, let the Patriots' backs eat the Jets' linebackers up? Because, I mean, the Patriots aren't exactly known for, for having a a very strong group of receivers and they may not need them if the Jets don't get things fixed underneath. So that's why the moves the Jets made. So the Jets, you know, I, you know, we'll get to the injury stuff later, but uh, Beckton goes to IR, man goes to IR, Cashman goes to IR, LaMarcus Joyner goes to IR. Um, to counter that, the Jets, they, they add Jared Wilson and Isaiah Williams from the practice squad, signed free agent punter Thomas Morstead and linebacker BJ Goodson. Now that's 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 where things get interesting, because B.J. Goodson, he, he's a he's a guy who started I think fourteen thirteen fourteen games last year for the Cleveland Browns, so he was a starting linebacker on a playoff team, and I'm hoping my plan is to get to watch uh, a bit more of Goodson tonight, uh, later on tonight, but from what I've read, um, and I'm not just talking looking at PFF grades, I'm talking, uh, you know, the, the couple of pieces I found from people who have covered him, the guy can cover. And he plays linebacker, and the Jets just got – and they they didn't, you know, street free agent (coughs) – pardon me, street free agent, they still gave him $2 million. This isn't a guy they brought in for pennies and, you know, vet minimum. So you have to wonder, is this a guy who could, in the not-too-distant future, find himself stealing reps from C.J. Mosley if Mosley doesn't improve? Um, you know, Mosley looked fine in the preseason, but that's the preseason. Uh, the other day, he didn't he didn't look great. He really didn't, and he did struggle in coverage. But listen, there's going to be some rust. He hasn't played in two years. 
I mean, that, that, that's a tall order. Take two years off and come back, oh, week one, here's Christian McCaffrey. And to be fair, McCaffrey missed most of last year. Played all but two games, I believe. But in the end, uh, Mosley didn't look very good in coverage, and that was the Achilles heel for this defense. If the corners played the way they did, and the defensive line played the way they did, if they were able to even slightly check Christian McCaffrey, there's a different outcome to this game. He All he did was save Donald, Sam Donald's skin over and over and over again and keep picking up yards where, you know, you would have had a pressure, you would have had a sack. Even on the play, the deep ball to Robbie, if you go back and watch that play, Sheldon Rankins puts a ridiculous spin move on the right guard, completely smokes him. Um, but then there's Christian McCaffrey steps up in the hole and uh, impedes Rankins, get, buys Donald a little bit more time. Donald sidesteps him and launches the bomb to Robbie Anderson for a touchdown. But it was yet another play where a Jets D lineman won his battle up front. Quinnen Williams, I think, had four quarterback hits. He got to Donald. He rushed a couple of throws that were incomplete. So the sack numbers weren't there. But on film, you can see the Jets winning their battles up front. On defense, uh, Bryce Huff had himself a nice day. Uh, Dylan Terriman tweeted out the other day and shot me a message. And then I, as I was watching the All-22 today, I saw the sequence he was talking about. I believe it was the third quarter. I could be wrong. Um, there was a three and out that was all Bryce Huff. There was uh, he On the first play of the drive, he shed a, he shed a blocker and tackled McCaffrey for a two, three-yard gain. I don't know if we call it a stuff. He didn't get him at or behind the line. But he, he sheds his blocker, makes the tackle on McCaffrey, who picks up a few. On the next play, he rushes from the outside. He hits Donald, rushes, forces Donald to rush his throw. It's incomplete. Then on third down, third and seven or whatever it was, third and six, third and seven, he lines up outside, stunts to the inside, comes up the middle, again gets in Donald's face, rushes the throw, incomplete. So a great sequence for Bryce Huff. He had himself a nice game. John Franklin Myers just continues to play well. Had a, I mean, just so so underrated last year and off to a great start this year. He had the team's lone sack on the day. Also picked up a, a tackle in the backfield on a sweep that he absolutely did not, you know, didn't bite at all. Stayed disciplined, stayed in his lane, picked up the tackle in the backfield. So we saw good things from Rankins, from Huff. From from JFM, Foley Fadakasi was Foley Fadakasi, um, another guy who's probably deserves to get paid. I mean, this D-line was damn good. They held the Panthers at three points in the second half. And, yeah, I mean, in, in the immediate aftermath of the game, I came away thinking, oh, I'm a little disappointed in how this D-line played. I thought they'd make more plays. Well, listen, they didn't get a chance to. Everything was out. You know, ball just kept coming out quick. Um, but they, they force him in complete passes. They help keep him in the game. And now next week they get a rookie quarterback uh, on a team that has some backs who can move well, but they don't have a Christian McCaffrey. So it's going to be interesting to see how things unfold against the Patriots because this is a team that really is going to be, I would, I would expect, is going to be fired up, home opener, you know, haven't played a home game in however six, seven, eight, however many hundred days. Haven't played a home game. And now they get the opener against New England. Pats fans travel well. Jets fans like to sell their tickets. So we'll see how that goes in terms of the crowd 
how uh, how fired up they are, how long they're fired up for if if things don't go well right off the bat. But all in all, you got to be happy with the way Wilson played, with the way the D-line played. The corners were, again, shockingly good. And we'll find out in the coming weeks, you know, if that was an aberration, if that was a case of the Panthers just deciding before the game we don't even need to challenge these guys, if if we can just keep picking up chunks of yardage by letting Sam throw, you know, make high, you know, high high level completion percentage and and avoid those downfield mistakes, maybe that was the game plan. But even still, in, in watching the film, coverage looked sticky. They looked like they did a really nice job. So hats off to those guys. Jason Pinnock was inactive. I found that surprising. But uh, Eccles was the starter, which I expected. He played well. Guidry, some people said pregame they thought he would start on the boundary. I thought that was crazy. He didn't start out. He did see some reps. Um, I looked up the the rep count by position. I believe he played 15 snaps on the outside. But whereas Eccles and Hall played like, you know, sort of 40-plus. On the outside. So those were your boundary guys. Gidry, Gidry looked good. Like I said, MC uh, and Michael Carter II looked good. So just a, a lot of good things happening for the Jets. But where the bad was, the O-line was a complete mess. AVT, it's his NFL debut without a training camp. You can't expect a ton. He wasn't great, but he wasn't terrible. Makai Becton, of course, as I said, we'll cover that. He's Got a dislocated kneecap. Expectation is that he will miss four to six weeks uh, minimum, I believe. Now, does that change because he weighs almost 400 pounds? Does he need a little more time? We'll have to wait and see on that. But Becton left the game. Uh, he got rolled up on after GVR, Greg Van Roten, got absolutely blown up and uh, dragged to the ground. And then a defender rolled up on Becton. Just a really unfortunate situation. Uh, the good news, you know, the, the silver lining here is that by having added Morgan Moses this offseason, the Jets aren't forced to go with a guy like a Connor McDermott um, as a starting tackle for the next few weeks, as long as these guys stay healthy with the guys they're down to. Fant might be a better left tackle than right tackle. Um, he still hasn't played enough games there to say really, but I know it's tough to to say too much about one game, but if for those of you who recall after the Jets signed him, he actually looked pretty damn good um, in his final game with the Seahawks when he lined up against uh, Robert Sala's defense and San Francisco 49ers, and he was lined up against Bosa all day, and he did himself a really nice job. <clears throat> Pardon me. So we'll see if that carries over. We'll see how Fant does at left tackle, Moses at right tackle. Moses looked all right. I still... So he, I said it after the game. We'll touch on it again. I don't know why Moses wasn't starting from the get-go, but that listen, water under the bridge, it's done. But it didn't make sense why. And let, let's talk about this Denzel Mims, Mims situation, all right? So Denzel Mims, we all know, buried on the depth chart in, in, in minicamp, buried on the depth chart in OTAs, buried on the depth chart in the preseason. Uh, week one of the preseason makes – Probably what was the best play any offensive player made all preseason when he, you know, caught the pick up the first down on a short pass on third and 16, and he made about six guys miss. Uh, didn't do a whole lot after that. Then this past week, you got Keelan Cole out with an injury. You got Jameson Crowder out with COVID. So you're thinking, all right, Mims is going to get some shots to make some plays here. 
You don't see him the whole game. Where's Mims? Where's Mims? Where's Mims? Where's Mims? He finally sees a target in the fourth quarter. Boom, 40-yard pickup, longest play of the day. And then that was it. <laughs> Didn't see another ball after that. I, I wrote a brief article. I, just, I, I think this is at the point of, of absurdity. You need to score points. Get your best players on the field. Put them in position to make plays. That's my opinion. So Robert Salas asked about it after the game, or the day after the game. He says, well, Denzel, basically he's saying Denzel Mims doesn't know the playbook for every receiver position on the field. He's, he's not a starter, so we could plug him in anywhere. Um, but right now he doesn't know every spot, so we can't put him out there. Somebody help me with this. Do we not see every now and then a team that will that will have a player that maybe they're like, oh, we don't know this guy's role. We don't know exactly where he's going to fit. We don't know exactly how we're going to use him. We're trying him out here. We're taking a look there. But doesn't it make sense to say, in the meantime, while he's learning all of the different spots we want him to learn, we're going to have a package of 12 plays, 8, eight plays, 6 plays, Six plays, Denzel. Here are six plays we're going to run at some point this week, and this is where you're going to line up, and this is what you're going to do. Here's 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 ten plays, Denzel. Here's eight plays. These are these is a special package of plays. You're going to be on the field because you're six foot four. You're in a sub four four forty. You can high point the ball. You can run after the catch. You show good hands. We're going to get you involved because we want to score points, especially. When you know COVID uh, knocks one of your start, one of your receivers out, and then another guy gets injured. Granted, Cole was only a couple days before the game, but this is something you could have been doing long before that. Why not go into a game with a handful of plays where you know you're going to get Denzel Mims on the field, and you make him the first read on that play? Because there's no point in bringing him on the field and making him the fifth read anyway. The point in, in creating a package of plays for him is you believe he is a guy who you can, you can use to create some mismatches and move the football. So, uh, now, uh, listen, unless Denzel Mims isn't putting in any effort, in which case you may have to try to trade him, cut him, whatever. Like, And I don't think that's the case. I'm not saying that's the case at all. But if you're going to tell me they can't get this guy to open his damn playbook, he won't study. He, he's not trying to do anything. Then I understand saying, look, dude, you just stay over there. We're going we're gonna to let the guys who are working, we're going to let them play. But I, there's no indication of that. None. And really, as I said, if that was the case, the, the next move needs to be a, a trade or, a, or an outright, outright release. But I think Denzel Mims is putting in the work. I know he's one of the most talented guys on the roster. I know you threw him one damn ball and it ended up being the longest play of the day, busted coverage or not. So I, help me out here. I, I'm looking. I'm looking at the film. I see Tyler Croft. Tyler Croft lined up on the boundary. Really? You're a defensive coordinator, and you see the team. You see the Jets break the huddle, and you look at the boundary, and you see Tyler Croft out there, and you look over. And you see Denzel Mims sitting on the bench. You got to be laughing to yourself. I don't get it. Get your best players on the field as much as you can. Like I said, if it's a work ethic thing, if the guy isn't putting in the work, I have no problem with that. 
But if he's if he's doing everything you're asking him to do, and maybe for whatever reason he's not retaining the playbook as as quickly as you would like, <clears throat> maybe say, all right, this guy's working his working his tail off. He's not there yet where he can be out there for 30, 40 snaps a game, but let's find a way to get him out there for a handful, and let's give him some shots, and let's give Zach Wilson another big, fast target with good hands who has shown he can get open in the NFL, who has shown he can make guys miss in the NFL, who has shown he can catch contested balls in the NFL. But I'll tell you, leading up to the draft, I, I said it on the show. I'm watching Zach Wilson in college, and I'm watching guys like Dax Milne make all these plays, and I just keep thinking to myself, Man, if they draft this kid, he's making those throws to Corey Davis and Denzel Mims. Big, tall, strong guys who can high point, who can out jump guys, who have great wingspan. They're going to be able to, you know, pluck balls out of the air left and right with this kid. But now you're sitting him down to put Tyler Croft out at wide receiver. I don't get it. I don't agree with it. I don't, you know, and I don't want to hear. You know, that, oh, it's got to be a culture change. Look, the culture change thing, again, to me, is, is a work ethic thing. If there's a work ethic issue, fine. Sit his ass. If he's putting in the work, but you're telling him you need to learn three or four spots and it's taking him a little while, fine. Take take the plays that he has down. Take, the, take a few plays that he knows and run them and get them on the field and give your quarterback a chance to make some plays. You know, we hoped Elijah Moore would be that guy this Sunday. Didn't happen. Didn't have. He had, a, he had two drops. And one of the drops, the big one, the 50-yarder, it looks like people seem to be torn on this. I I watched it. I felt like I'm one of those guys. I've always had the mentality. And it's funny because I always laugh at the people who, who look at guys, you know, who don't make what would be a crazy, ridiculous circus one-handed catch. And I've heard guys say, oh, you got a hand on it. you got to make the play. Like, it's not that simple. This, you know, it's, it's not like, you know, that people make it sound like it's the easiest thing in the world. Oh, you got a hand on the ball. Just catch it. Okay, yeah, you're, you know, you're running 27 miles an hour. Well, maybe not that fast. You're running 21, 22 miles an hour down the sideline with a guy in your hip pocket. You're both leaping at the same time, bumping up to against each other a little bit. You get one paw on the ball, and someone says, oh, I should have grabbed that. Right, right, because it's that easy. But now I'm that guy with Elijah Moore. And I think, and my, well, I don't think, I know, my mindset with the Elijah Moore drop on the 50-yarder, yes, there was pass interference. Yes, they missed it. It should have been called, but it wasn't. Yes, the guy's arm comes down over Elijah Moore, hits him in the shoulder, and comes down his arm and moves his arm while he's trying to make the catch. All true. Not an easy catch. But my mindset is, I watched that replay, and I see you got both hands on it. Two, not one. You got two hands on the ball. And granted, one of them's being pulled, but it's there. Put, you know, pin the ball to your chest. With, you know, use two hands to get some control, pin the ball down with one hand, whatever. And I know I'm not the only one. I've, I've seen some former players comment, some, you know, some, some beat guys, kind of those beat guys. But I know there are other people out there who feel like this kid got both hands on that ball. He's supposed to be this electric electric playmaker, which I'm sure he will be. And that's the other thing to Jets fans. Relax a little bit. We're allowed to make an observation where we say, oh, this guy could have done X, Y, Z better. It doesn't mean you hate the guy. It doesn't mean you're trashing the guy. Making an observation on one play. 
And that more, I feel like that catch could have changed the whole game. That was a huge, it's a 50-yard completion. If he holds on to that ball that Zach Wilson dropped in the bucket. And the DB grabs Moore's left arm as he's trying to haul it in. But I slow that replay down. I see he's got both arms out to cradle the ball. And the ball goes, you know, hits him in the arms, both arms. And he doesn't come down with it. So two things can be true at the same time. It is a difficult catch, but catchable ball. And that's what it was. I got people tell me that was impossible. Impossible for an NFL receiver to catch a ball that he's got both of his hands on. Impossible. So people are a little bit crazy with that. I kind of get it. Like I said, it's, it's, not, it's not like we're saying it's an easy catch. But it's a big spot. It's catchable. And potentially game-changing play. But either way, either way, speaking of game-changers, by the way, before I go any further, let me tell you about our sponsor. There's a game changer for you, Miles Social. Miles Social, you're running a business, big business, small business, medium-sized business, whatever it may be. you got a lot, of hot, a lot of hats to wear, a lot of things to take care of. The last thing you need to worry about is taking care of all your social media platforms, your Twitter, your Facebook, your TikTok, your Instagram, whatever it is. Contact Miles Social at milesocial.com. That's M-I-L-E Social. MileSocial.com. Give them a look. See what Miles Social can do for you running all of your platforms. Uh, just pop online. As I said, doesn't matter the site. Doesn't matter the time. Contact Miles. See what they can do for you. That's MileSocial.com. M-I-L-E Social.com. There's your game changer. So, yes, Elijah Moore, supposed to be a game changer. Drop the ball over the middle. Drop the deep ball down the field. Um had a catch late that was nullified by a flag. But, and listen, this is first game. Maybe the guy's a little nervous. You know, first game jitters. Now that's out of the way. First game's done. You know, Zach Wilson looks good. The young linebackers. Uh, Sherwood, Jamie and Sherwood, uh, watching the All-22, I think it was second play of the game. He's lined up a middle linebacker. He couldn't put any weight on his leg. He's limping. I mean, he's, he's got to – either the coaching staff has to recognize that. And I saw Dylan commented on it too, which is weird because I had just watched it about 10 minutes earlier. Um, either he's got to pull himself or a coach has to realize that guy's not putting any weight on his left leg. I think it was his left leg. He's not putting any weight on it. He's trying to play a football game. So he only lasted, I believe, three plays before he was pulled, and that was the, and that was the end of his day. But the, uh, the bottom line here, folks, moving forward for the Jets, you got the Pats this week. The Pats are going to try to attack. They're going to look at what the Panthers did. They're going to try to do the same thing. So C.J. Mosley has to be better. Give give the D-line a little bit more time to get home. I think the big name to watch this week for the for the uh, for the sorry for the Patriots is uh, is Nelson Aguilar, former Philadelphia Eagle, former Oakland Raider. That guy can fly, uh, you know, smallish guy, but he can get open. He's had drops issues on and off in his career. I've always thought he was a better player than, than some people give him credit for. Now he will be matching up against the Jets' corners this Sunday. So look for him to, you know, look for the Patriots to try to use him maybe to open things up a little bit if things aren't, if they're not able to get things going to their backs underneath. But again, if, if, uh, if Mosley doesn't play better, then I don't think uh, I don't think the Patriots will have a very difficult time getting their running backs involved in the short pass game. Uh, you know the Patriots have they they like their tight ends their receivers aren't great, so it's going to be a 
an interesting matchup for the Jets for Robert Sala, his first time going head to head with Bill Belichick. And um, I'm looking forward to it. You know, home game, first one in in forever. You got you, you're hoping, hoping that, that you know that, that it's a, a crazy crowd. I know you know even you know some folks are disappointed coming off the losses, and some fans are just miserable. Like I I still see fans complaining. You know, it, it, like talking about this draft class that has played one NFL game as if it's a bust class. It seems like every year we we're like you have a handful of people are like, how much worse can my takes get? You know, should I just start calling guys busts? You know, based on a, a preseason warm up, watch guys stretch in the preseason and say that guy's a bust. I mean, I don't know if it's because people just want to be the the able to say I was the first guy to say that guy would suck, so that when the guy sucks, it it's, it looks as if wow, this this person really knew what they were talking about. He said after one game in the NFL that that guy was a bust, and listen, the majority of players bust. So if you just do that with every guy. Uh, you'll be right the majority of the time. And you can tell everyone you're a genius. Uh, you know, you just declare every single draft pick a bust. And uh, and and over 50% of guys tend to not make it in the league. So you'd be right. Like, hell, you'd be right probably 80% of the time. Because even the guys who stick around don't always re- hit their full potential. So that, that guy's a bust too. Everyone sucks. All Every player, every pick, every everyone you add, they all suck. And then just wait for them, wait for their career to play out, and, and you know, you can tell everyone how, how brilliant you are. I, I don't get it, man. Some people are just uh, sports is supposed to be fun, and I get, believe me, I understand as well as anybody that watching this damn team has been anything but fun for the last few years. But you're finally seeing a a, a, a rebuild being done the right way. Like I said, eleven rookies on the roster. You got rookies starting at corner, at quarterback, at linebacker, on the O line. Everywhere, all over the field, you got rookies, young guys who are going to get to cut their teeth at the pro level, show if they belong or not. If they do, they stay. If they don't, they go. And you keep moving forward and putting pieces together like that. I love it. But the O-line does have to get better. And they have to get better in a hurry because uh, that was ugly last week that, you know, the Jets said themselves, teams are going to, you know, they're going to see tons of stunts and twists now because that's what they, they just failed to pick guys up. They weren't picking anybody up. I get that there's, you know, there's going to be some miscommunication and some issues because these guys had not played a single snap together in a game with AVT missing so much time, and now you got a new left tackle starting this week and a new right tackle starting this week. AVT only playing game two, so there will be some growing pains. But the Jets, you know, just uh, have to keep keep Zach Wilson out of harm's way for crying out loud. God, that that hit late in the game you know, the other day. I was sure he's going to have a concussion. Uh, somehow didn't. That was uh, that was pretty surprising. But either way, the kid looked good. The D-line looked good. The corners looked good. The linebackers got to get their act together, and the O-line has to get their act together. And they got a shot. They got a shot to win some games. So, you know, they, they basically, it's funny. I think, I think when all said and done, the Jets this year might end up reminding us of the Panthers of last year, where the Panthers, I mean, I know a lot of games are one-score games, but the Panthers lost eight games last year by one score or less. Um or, you know, by, by touchdown or less. So I think the Jets are going to play some very competitive football. And if the O-line gets their act together, then they're going to, they'll have a run at some point and they'll win a chunk of games and, uh, and give us even more reason to be excited. But as it stands, Wilson, very impressive, hung in the pocket, made some throws under duress, made some throws as he was being hit. 
Um, and as I said earlier, you really can't ask for more for the effort he gave. And we're looking forward to see what he can do this week. Uh, keep an eye out for the post-game wrap-up. As I said, I'll be doing those. Uh, I'll try to sit so close to the damn phone this time, the camera. Uh, my, my, uh, my, my face was taking up like 92% of the screen. I'll try to back off and give you guys a break. But uh, like I said, we're going to run those for a while, see how they do, see if we like them, see if you guys like them. But that, that's going to wrap it up for us this week on Jet Nation Radio. Looking forward to uh, next week, hopefully talking about a win. And uh, hopefully next week or the following week, it'll be, uh, it'll be myself, Dylan, and Alex. So uh, stay tuned, and we will catch you next time, Jet fans. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets!